prophecy. Prophecy in our scripture is not just words. It can seem this way because many of our experiences of biblical prophecy are mediated to us through words. When we think about prophecy in the Bible, or at least when I think about it, we think about words. The words of Isaiah or Ezekiel or the book of Revelation. So it might be easy to miss that prophecy is also about action about what we do with our bodies. I gained this insight from the work of Rabbi Abraham Heschel, a Jewish scholar and moral philosopher whose work with scripture in general and prophecy in particular led him to be deeply involved in our nation's civil rights movement. Heschel wrote in depth about the pathos, the passion of God as expressed through the body of the prophet. And if you look, it's in there. Isaiah spent three years naked and barefoot as a sign against Egypt. God told Jeremiah to buy pottery and break it in front of the elders to warn them about the impending destruction of the people of God. Ezekiel, this is the weirdest one, arguably, Ezekiel had to shave his head and beard and then divide hair into three parts, burning a third of it, scattering a third of it with a sword, and then scattering the last third in the wind. So prophets, let's remember, are not just people who say stuff. They are people who do stuff with and through their bodies. And we know that what happens to our bodies And what happens to other people's bodies is more powerful than words. We know this to be true because our prophets have been the same. What moved people for civil rights was seeing what happened to protesters. I asked our diocesan archivist to send me everything he had on you, St. Phillips. And he's got a lot. I'm from the Pacific Northwest, where the oldest Episcopal churches we have aren't even half as old as this church. You are a community with a history of prophetic action, a place that has moved mountains to take care of unloved human bodies, worked to empower, love, and nurture oppressed human beings, and your existence is a prophetic action a safe space for a community that has not always been valued or wanted by the world, but who are clearly treasured and made in the image of God. This is prophetic action. Prophecy is about bodies as well as words. Jesus knows this. Jesus in our gospel this morning is doing prophetic action. There are a lot of hot takes on this text. It's pretty fun. Jesus is messing stuff up, right? There's a lot of people's interpretations. Everything from, what a relief, Jesus also threw temper tantrums, to interpretive critiques of modern capitalism, and sadly, 
a history of some dangerously anti-Semitic interpretations of this text. It's difficult for us to know what is happening here. But it's not difficult for the people who are there in the story. For the Jewish people of Jesus' time, the temple was the center of the universe, the place where people came to meet and be in relationship with the God who made them, loved them, and was ever faithful to them. They cared for and loved the temple because it was God's house. And when they were in God's house, they knew who they were and who they belonged to. Jesus loved the temple, too. In our gospel, he calls it his father's house. Jesus is a faithful and devout Jewish person. He is not trying to knock the temple down. He is doing a prophetic action, and everyone watching him understands this. We know they get it because instead of arresting him or throwing him out, the people who witness what Jesus does ask him to explain it. What sign can you show us for doing this? And his answer is baffling for them. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. So what is Jesus doing? One way to look at it is that Jesus is answering a question that the people around him don't know they need to ask. A lot of prophecy can be defined this way, I think. Jesus is offering his body as a vulnerable, killable, and yet somehow reliable replacement for the temple. Jesus is promising something even more unlikely than rebuilding a massive stone building. He's saying that God incarnate, his own vulnerable self, will be killed and resurrected in three days. And somehow, that will become God's home. So if the resurrected and living body of Jesus is the answer, what is the question? Here it is. How do we survive when the temple where we meet God and find our own identities as God's people is destroyed? How can we be God's people if we don't have a place to meet with God? Inside the story, no one is asking that question because the temple, for them, was an unquestionable reality. They would never think it would go away. But for the people who wrote this story down, the community that remembered it and gave it to us, this was one of their biggest questions. The Gospel of John was almost certainly written after the fall of the temple, which was destroyed somewhere around the 70th year of the Common Era. So while the community inside the text is not asking this question, the community around the text 
the community that remembers Jesus and chooses what to write down for us, they are actively asking. When the temple falls, the writer of John wants us to know, we find God in the destroyed and resurrected body of Jesus Christ. When the temple falls, we find God in the destroyed and resurrected body of Jesus Christ. We are still human all these years later. And part of what that means, I think, is that we are still building temples, special places where we find our identity and expect to meet God. I don't know about you, but I have got all kinds of temples. Religious practice and tradition, or even a specific faith community, can be a temple. Family can be a temple, a marriage. Belief that my nation is good and right, that is a temple I was raised to look at when I wanted to know who I am or who God is. We can make or find temples in any relationship that nurtures us any building that is special to us, and any way of being that feeds us or works for us. And all these temples, this is really important, they can be good. They can be places of real discovery and safety and reconciliation and love. And there isn't a temple we build that won't eventually fall. Every one of our temples is vulnerable to destruction because these special places of hope and safety that we build are human. The relationship that was a haven becomes a battleground. National identities are complicated by politics. The family that told you who to be doesn't accept who you are. The church community that you loved changes. There comes a time for every person when you have to answer the question that none of us want to ask. Where do we find God when this temple falls? How do we survive this destruction? And all these thousands of years later, the answer for us is still the same. When the temples fall, we find who we are in the destroyed and resurrected body of Jesus Christ. It is no wonder the people around Jesus that day were confused. This isn't how we think it is supposed to work. We want to know where we can go to find God. We want to have visible and reliable places where God will show up. We want visible structures, whether it's real architecture or relational architecture, religious practice, national identity, family tradition, intimate relationship. We want those things, and we should. We should want them. They are good to have and to build and to maintain. And our God knows that no human structure lasts forever and that every place we build for God 
will eventually fall down. How can we be God's people if we don't have a place to meet with God? The answer to that question is in Jesus. We don't need a place to meet with God because God meets us in every place. God definitely meets us in temples, in church community, in the relationships that feed us and give us life, in the opportunities we have to love and serve the world. But God cannot be contained even inside whole and healthy temples. God finds us and loves us when our worlds are destroyed. God is with us in places of despair and brokenness in times when we don't know who we are or how we will survive. This is what we as Christian people live and remember as we follow Jesus through Lent and Holy Week to Easter. This is what we celebrate every Sunday around this table, the truth that we can survive the destruction of our temples because our trust is in the body of God, a body that death could not annihilate, a broken body that makes visible to us the love that made us and holds us in every part of our human experience. We find that body in the Eucharist, yes. And also, we become that body together as we learn to follow Jesus. It's okay if our temples fall, because we put our trust in the body of the one who has been raised up, in Jesus, who calls us out of our broken temples into resurrected life.